Well, thank you so much for being out with us on this Wednesday night for Lent. Um, it's an interesting season for us as Christ followers, isn't it? Um, I have to tell you that preparing for this evening proved to be a little bit more difficult than I had kind of thought that it originally would be. Um, and my coworkers would joke that that's because I'm not supposed to speak for very long, <laughs> which is truly part of the challenge for me, but I promise you I'm gonna keep it on point this evening. But the truth of the matter is that as Christ followers, we just know God has called us to go into all the world and share the good news of Jesus, the hope that he is. So when we have these opportunities to gather together and to publicly pro pro proclaim, I can speak, a message, it is of course just the most natural thing to wanna just navigate into those spaces of the good news, the hope of Jesus. So I find myself in this tug of war as we kind of approach this season of Lent. And I would guess that many of you might feel that same way. We're kind of caught in that middle between that place of like knowing what is absolutely true about the hope of Jesus and this season where we're asked to just pause and intentionally focus on those parts of us that are weak or lacking or really demonstrate this profound need that we have of an incredible God. And so it's kind of been in that struggle that I've started to discover truly the beauty of this season. And I hope that, that the fact that you're here is demonstrating that you're discovering some of that for yourselves as well. Because what I've come to find out that it's in this place where we start to discover some of those things about ourselves that make us so desperate for a big God in our lives that we also begin to grow a bigger concept of who our God is. So let me ask you this question tonight. How big is your God? Now I'm not suggesting for a moment that we each have a different God. <laughs> Gotta make sure I'm not like speaking heresy up here or anything, Pastor Mark would not be pleased. <laughs> so I'm not suggesting that we each have a different God. There is only one true God. But our perception of God matters tremendously. So let me ask you again, how big is your God? Because your answer to that question will reflect two things. And the first one is this, it will reflect how big the things are that you're willing to trust God with. And secondly, it will reflect what you believe at your very core about your own humanity. Now I wanna spend most of our time tonight talking about that second point because that really is the spirit of Lent. It's gonna help us understand the first point and about um, hopefully help shift our perspective about how big our God is. But I do wanna just say this quickly about that first point. The past couple of weeks here at the church, there have been two, at least two different people um, who have come in for prayer because they found out in the last couple of weeks that they've had a diagnosis of cancer. Um, and I want you to know these are unrelated people to each other, but both of them have without a doubt a very big view of God. And here's how I've seen it played out in their lives as they come in and they've been sharing our journey with us. The first is this, in each of their cases, they without a doubt know that their God orchestrated the events that led them to this diagnosis. Now you see, when we have a small view of God, then we tend to look at that time and we think, oh, how could this happen to me? How could God allow this? How could I be in this place where suddenly I'm struggling with this, this awful disease? But when we have a 
big view of God, that's where we can start to see, and I'm telling you, both of these people saw so clearly and were just so grateful for how God had orchestrated those things that led them to the place of finding out what was not right within them. And there's a spiritual lesson for us to learn there because in this season of Lent, it is about this season of figuring out what within us is not exactly quite right. And I hope you know that your God, if you've got a big view of God and hopefully it's just gonna keep growing, he's been orchestrating things and putting things in place that we can discover those things that maybe aren't quite right within us. The other thing that has really set these people apart that just showed me, gosh, they really do have a big view of God, is they know without a doubt that God has orchestrated the medical team who is coming around them. And in one of the cases, I kid you not, she told me the story, God has been clearly orchestrating it for almost 20 years to bring this person to the point to be part of this medical team right now in this moment. That is a big view of God. And in both of these cases, I want you to know, healing is not even a question. They know that their God is going to bring them healing. And it might be supernaturally, it might be through the medicine, and it might be by bringing them to heaven. But gosh, by golly, they are gonna get their healing. That is a big view of God. Yeah, you can praise that. And those are the things, that's what this season is intended to help us with, to start to understand some of those things within us that aren't quite right, that make us in some sense desperate for a bigger God than maybe the one that we've somehow constructed in our own thinking by keeping him too small and not opening up all the spaces of our life to him. So I want you to know there's a verse that I wanna share with you because it's so beautiful. It's in the Psalms. There's just a lot of great things in the Psalms and I'm just choosing this one verse to share with you, but it is truly a verse that speaks to the heart of somebody who has a big view of God. It's written in the 112th Psalm, and it says this, that person, he is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. That's the kind of heart that I wanna have. That's the kind of heart that God is hopefully cultivating in us as we continue to go before him and allow him to keep expanding our view, expanding our understanding of how great and how big and how holy he truly is. So you see, it's in that process now that we're gonna get to that second point. Because I told you our view of God and how big he is, it will determine the, how big the things are that we'll trust him with, but it will also reflect at our core, what we believe about our humanity. And this is really the stuff of Lent. Now, if you were with us last week, Pastor Phil talked about the practice of fasting, of giving something up. And I might get this, this analogy a little bit wrong, but I think I have it generally on track. So Pastor Phil, please forgive me if I'm not exactly getting this right. But he had talked about the fact that when we navigate into these spaces, when we give things up, it kind of sends us into unchartered grounds because we're so used to our comforts, right? We're not so accustomed to telling ourselves no and, and practicing that self-denial kind of thing. And he gave the example of um, back in the day, so a long time ago, when they used to um, draw out charts or maps of land, um, you know, there was only this perspective that lasted as far as what any of them had ever seen. So if, for example, a map person was gonna draw out a map of a kingdom, they could only draw as far as they understood. So there would be some natural boundaries. And they considered that land beyond that the place where the dragons lived because it was that place of mystery and the unknown. And you didn't know when you got there if you were gonna encounter something that was scary and difficult, or if you might encounter something that would be um, wonderful and good as well. And they referred to it as the place that the dragons live. 
Um, and it is in that place so often when we encounter the unexpected that God begins to show us some things in ourselves that maybe need to be dealt with, that maybe aren't quite right, that needed to be diagnosed in our life. But tonight I wanna shift our focus actually back to the land where we always live because there is something very real in our very present um, experience that also, if we pay attention to it, has such power to show us also that great need that we have of a holy God. And it is that land of disappointment. We've all been there. I would guess chances are today that each of us has experienced some degree of disappointment. And I'm not even talking about a disappointment with others. I'm talking about that disappointment that comes with ourselves. You know, disappointment comes in lots of shapes and sizes. Often we can be disappointed about things that we've done or things that we haven't done. Disappointments can also be rather trivial. We might be disappointed that maybe um, God didn't give us an ability to be well, for me, it's, I wish I was a little more mechanically inclined. I think it'd be really great to, um, and something that I could have learned, but I'm not real mechanically inclined. We might be disappointed that maybe he didn't give us a better metabolism and we have to work a little harder at, at keeping ourselves healthy. We might be disappointed that we don't have a certain gift for making things beautiful or nice or pretty. And, and in the grand scope of things, we understand those are all just kind of trivial things, but they create some disappointment in our lives. But some disappointments are also, quite honestly, forgive the, the word, I hope it doesn't offend you, but some of them are just neurotic. And what I mean by that is they are so outside of our control. They are the disappointments that we take on ourselves based on absolutely nothing that is truthful. They're the disappointments that we experience when we're navigating into a place of people we don't know and we suddenly find ourselves worried about what everybody is thinking and what they're saying and what they must, um, what they must um, think of us. And the truth of the matter is, we all know this. Chances are nobody's paying attention to you as much as you're paying attention to you. So they tend to be in that place that, of, that we don't even have control. Some of the disappointments that we experience are really the fruit of this day and age where we are so self-absorbed, so self-focused. Those kind of disappointments eke their little heads when we go to places like our high school reunions and we wish that maybe we looked a little better, had lost a little more weight. We maybe wish that we had achieved a little bit more because we believe then we might look better, others might esteem us in some way, and we feel a little disappointed with ourselves. They're the disappointments that happen if maybe you're in a situation where you're still pursuing that guy or that girl you've had your eye on for some time, and you find yourself surrounded by them, and you wanna just say like the most engaging thing to get in a conversation, and at best, it came out as ordinary and at worst, what you really believe is it was awkward and clumsy. And we're disappointed because we didn't quite do it the way that we had really hoped in some way, shape, or form. But there are also some disappointments that run much deeper. And these are the ones that we really wanna to get to the heart of tonight. These are the kind of disappointments, if you're a parent in the room tonight, I'm sure you've had this moment where you've stood at the door of your child's room as they were sleeping at night and you've looked in and you've thought to yourself, I didn't do it right today. I definitely gave more time and attention to my phone than to my child. Or maybe you know that you definitely lost it on your kids when all they really did was be kids. <laughs> you know, we grow so disappointed with ourselves in those arenas of being parents or spouses 
or children of adult parents. We can be disappointed with how we are as friends or neighbors or as followers of Jesus, where we know that there's no greater mission put before us than to tell people about the hope of the world, but we seem to struggle to ever get his name off our lips when we're talking to people who don't know him. And it just breeds more disappointment in ourselves. So it really does beg the question, where does this disappointment come from? Because I think we would all agree, it's just part of our reality. Regardless of how long you have been following the Lord, I'm gonna tell you, you, you struggle, we all struggle with this area of disappointment. Now the common answer to where this came from is that of course it's just that it can be an issue of self-esteem um, or a failure to accept some part of yourself, and, and that might be part of it. I think there's definitely some truth in those kinds of things, but it's definitely not the whole picture. And the older we get, the wiser we get, we will start to discover that disappointment is not actually the problem. That feeling of disappointment, we wanna deal with that, but the feeling of disappointment is really not the problem. What it is is it's a reflection of the actual problem which is our failure to be the person that God had in mind when he created us. This disappointment is where that ache comes from in our heart, those deeper places of disappointment in our lives, knowing wholeheartedly that God must have had something else in mind when he created us. Do you remember, um, this might seem a little off track, but it's gonna make sense in a second. <laughs> Do you all remember um, the, com the cartoon days of Popeye the Sailor Man? Um, I'm gonna show my age here real quick because some of you don't even know him, but good old Popeye, Popeye the Sailor Man. I'm strong to the finish because I eat my spinach. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. Remember that one? Yeah, I love Popeye. I was a kid who grew up in this, on this Saturday morning cartoons in the 70s and 80s. And there was something about Popeye that I think speaks strangely enough to this condition of our hearts and our souls, this disappointment that's within us. Because if you remember, Popeye had a few like sayings, actually, he had some, some good sayings. But there was one that I think always just stuck with me over time, and it is this. Popeye would say whenever he would kind of find himself in a jam or not quite doing what he's supposed to do, he would always say, well, I am what I am. Yeah. Remember that one? <laughs> that was his saying. And in essence, when he was saying that, it was, there was kind of this tone to it that unfortunately felt a little bit sad to me. Because usually when he would say it, it was kind of in that space of saying, well, I just need to kind of explain why I've fallen short here, why I haven't quite come up with it. You know, I am what I am. I don't expect too much from me. It seemed to say that, and actually he would take it a step further. When things were really bad, he would say, I am what I am. And then he'd say, and that's all that I am. And I feel like that's the cry of us as humans. Sometimes we sit back and we look at these disappointments and we think, well, I am what I am. What can I do about it? And I want you to know that that's the space that God wants us to be paying attention to. That's why the church goes through seasons where they say, let's focus in. Let's pay attention to that. Because there's something in that that, um, that speaks to the human existence. Now there's, um, um, I wanna tell you another quick story and then I'll, I'll bring this around and actually we'll, we'll be wrapping it up fairly quickly. There was this incredible work of art that Michelangelo did years ago. It was a marble statue of Mary holding the crucified Christ. 
Um, and I might not remember, I think it was in the Vatican. I don't know that actually for a fact. Um, but I believe it was housed in the Vatican. And some, some years ago, there was somebody who came into the Vatican. I don't know how they got in there, but they got in with a sledgehammer and they literally took this masterpiece and they smashed it to pieces. Well, the artists at the Vatican, I think it was the Vatican, um, they went to work and they were able to restore this incredible masterpiece almost to near perfect condition. And I was thinking about that masterpiece and I thought, you know what? Um, I don't know if you know this, but God has made each one of us to be a masterpiece as well. It actually tells us in the book of Ephesians chapter two, it says this, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now the, work, the word workmanship in this, um, in this verse, the Greek word is poiema, that doesn't really matter, but it's a word that means God's work of art. Each one of us, we were designed as God's masterpiece, his work of art. We were meant to reflect his image in this world and to be in relationship with us. And you see, the fallen world has brought the sledgehammer down on that image at work inside of each of us. So that disappointment that we experience, that deeper disappointment, it is actually a reflection of why it runs so deep. And it is because that very image has somehow been destroyed in each and every one of us. But here's the good news. God is super diligent and he really has been going to work to restore the masterpiece that he intended each one of us to be. But you see, we have to go through this process. We have to figure out what do we do with that disappointment because it is meant to be a reflection of something. It is meant to be able to drive us toward action. This season of Lent is meant for us to reflect in these things so that we can come to a greater understanding of why it is that we so desperately need a big God. So in those places, I think it's worth us asking a few questions. The first one is this. As we go our way this week, I just am gonna encourage you, I want you to spend some time just thinking about and identifying those disappointments that you carry in yourself. Now this is where we have to be careful because if you are not already a believer in Jesus, the enemy will use it to bring condemnation on you. He will tell you that because of these things, because of these disappointments, you are not worthy, you are not good, you just, um, there's nothing of value in you and that is a lie from the pit of hell. It comes straight from the devil's mouth, okay? So when I tell you that it's important for us to identify our disappointments, we need to do it through the lens of a Christ follower. And so if that's not you, I'm gonna encourage you this evening too, as before you do this examination, you have to just trust Jesus. You need to say to him first, I'm gonna trust you to be the Lord of this because this is meant to be a good process for us, a healthy process for us. So when we can go through and we can start to identify those things, those areas in our life that are disappointments, they are the very areas that more than likely are the spaces where we're not lining up with the image that God created us to be. That word disappointment, I think it's such a perfect word because it implies a dis of appointment. We're missing what we have been appointed by God to be. You see, God called us to something greater. He called us to reflect his image. He called us to be in relationship with him. All of these things are gifts to us as followers of his, 
but they require us to navigate through these spaces of sometimes the, the not feeling so good so that we can truly embrace and continue to grow our picture of who he is and walk into an even deeper place of relationship with him. God forbid we ever think we've arrived. God forbid we ever think we've got him figured out. You know, that is the greatest thing about this journey. We have to continue to keep ourselves open and God will continue to reveal some great new truth to us. So again, that's step one, identify it. Spend some time asking God, where are those great disappointments of my life, Lord? Because chances are they are a reflection of those areas that maybe haven't been aligning with his image. Number two, once you've figured it out, once you've identified it, you need to look for the wisdom in it. I told you about these families who could look at the fact that they received a diagnosis and see so clearly that God had his hand in it by how he orchestrated the events leading up to their diagnosis. We have to look for the wisdom in, in the space that he has made us aware of these areas that we aren't quite meeting the mark, these places in our lives where we're not quite reaching his standard. Ask yourself if there's something that triggers you in this area, if there's a pattern that you might identify um, that brings you to that space, so then you can look for the grace to help you with it. And then lastly, once we've identified it, once we've asked for some wisdom in it, because we are gonna trust that God is good in bringing these things to our attention, the only way we get healing is by God's grace, right, and having understanding of what that thing is in our lives. But then number three, we have to invite the great I am into it. When Moses was in the desert and God first told him that he needed to go back to Egypt and release the, um, release the Israelites from bondage there, he was so full of doubt and disappointment in his life. And he even questioned God and said, but what if, what if, what if? He was filled with what ifs. And his last what, what if question was, well, what if they ask me who you are, who the God is that sent me? And God said, then you tell them, I am that I am. And it was the great I am that sent him. So my friends, when we get into those places of, well, I am what I am, and that's all that I am, that's the space where we invite the great I am because a big God in our small weaknesses and our small failings and our small shortcomings can do a mighty, mighty work. But we have to invite him in. We have to be part of the process. Just like Popeye had to open up his cans of spinach so he could be strong and he had to eat it down and his own, he knew it was weak. Um, but he had to do that process. So too, we have to be active in it and invite the great I am to come into those spaces. Remember, God is determined to overcome the defacing of his image in each of us. You are his workmanship. You are his work of art. And we have to embrace the opportunity that we have when we see these places in our lives that just don't align with that image reflecting in us and seek him to continue to help us to grow in those places and just make more and more room for him so we can better reflect his image, amen. Um, so I'm gonna ask you this evening as you go out to the tables, I know that this area of disappointment, it's a vulnerable place, so I'm not gonna ask you to go out and start sharing all your disappointments with each other. <laughs> None of you would come back, you'd be like, I'm not doing this Lent thing anymore. <laughs> um, but by all means, if you're with a group of people on your table that you do know and you navigate in those conversations, that's great, praise the Lord for it. Be willing to be vulnerable with some people in your lives, that is really important. But I get that most of us will be sitting with groups of people that we don't necessarily know with that kind of safety and comfort. But I would encourage you as you're spending that time tonight as we go out and we start to grab our soup and have some time to fellowship out there, by all means, at least take the step and introduce yourselves to each other. 
Um, but then I think it would also be a, just a great question, or if you maybe have your own story of some time when, when you learned something, it, it could be a diagnosis, it could be where God just showed you something that, that was a weakness in your life that you can now identify and hold on to and, and share as a story of God's goodness through that. If you have one of those stories, would you do me a favor? When you're sitting at your table tonight, can you just take the bold step, take the awkward step, we're all, can everybody say, I agree, it'll be okay if somebody's awkward at my table? God bless them. Um, but take that awkward step and just say, hey, I've got a story, um, and share it with us. Let's be encouraged by the way God has been showing up and moving in the lives of each other, okay? Okay. Um, so just a reminder, our youth program is going until eight o'clock. So I'm gonna ask you to, um, I know last week we had navigated down there, you were so gracious to wait for them, but um, what we failed to tell you is that at the end of youth, they always break into small groups, and some of the small groups meet out in that little lobby area. So I really would ask you, if you have students who are down in the area, can you just make sure that you wait to even enter the area until eight o'clock, because there's some groups that will be going on in that time. If you have kids, however, in preschool or down in the grade school area, you can pick them up um, before you go out, but then otherwise, our soup is ready, so we invite you to go out, grab some soup, find a table, find some people, and spend some time with each other, and thank you so much for coming out and spending tonight with us. God bless all of you guys. We'll see you on Sunday. <laughs>